You should get up and give a bow for that. But that was quite the performance. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. We've got some talent in this church. Let me tell you, this is praise the Lord for his giftings and talents, for sure. Well, uh, I'm really excited. Uh, we Last, last uh, service, worship experience, we were able to uh, reveal and show our GOAT team members of the year and gave them an award. And, and uh, so for you guys, you don't get to see that, but Scott and Norma McCurley have just been just the top of the top when it comes to all around. Yes. Scott's in the background right there. Just give him a wink, you know, look at him. Thank you so much. It's our go team that causes this place to be what it is. It's, it's people rising up and, and, and growing in their purpose, and that's really our vision. Our mission statement is loving people where they are and helping them become all God created them to be. And so it's in that helping them become all God created them to be. We love them right where they're at. But when people are starting to get engaged and, and joining the GO team and being part of being able to use their giftings and their talents and their abilities, and they're able to use ministry to develop themselves, to develop, allow God to grow them. We, we say here, uh, we use ministry to develop future's leaders. We, develop, we use ministry to grow people into their purpose. Many churches use people to grow their ministries. See the difference? We use ministry to grow people in their purpose because God needs, God is, his desire is that we all discover our purpose, our God-given purpose, and be launched out in that. There's three things that every human being will long for and go looking for all of their lives. One is a sense of belonging. One is identity. And the next one is purpose. This is why they go looking for love in all the wrong places, because they're looking for purpose. They're looking for belonging. They don't know who they are. And this is every one of our challenges and our issues as we live life. It's yours. It's mine. Until I find it in Christ, in God's kingdom, honoring his church, and yet using the, using the giftings and colleagues for the purpose in which he's created me for. So that's, that's, that's what you're here for. That's what you're here, here on earth. And everything outside of that it ends you in this, ends up putting you in this dry place. I want to celebrate, though, take a moment to celebrate. These last couple of weeks, we were able to give uh, to Honduras. There's, there were two terrible hurricanes that came through back to back. Do y'all have that video? I want to show you guys just to celebrate uh, what we were able to do together as a church. This is our, our, our ministry partners there, Pastor Savala. They're, they're loading up a bunch of uh, food and goods, clothes in uh, La Entrada, Copan. Uh, Honduras, that's the department of Scopan, and they've been out delivering in the villages, some of the outskirts of town, all the food and, and uh, the clothing that we were able to send, we sent financially over to them so that they could be, uh, be a blessing in their areas, and so it's really your giving that has made this available. It was, a, it was actually a very terrifying, all these villages, they're just made on the side of a mountain. They're just built, people just started living on the side of the mountain because they had nothing else. Well, when, when the st storms come like that, like a hurricane-like storm, well, guess what? There's mudslides everywhere. And so you just, he showed me videos of houses just getting washed out and people finding a place where they could sit. They were, there were families and, and on uh, little, little boats or whatever they could turn into air mattresses. Blowing up hair mattresses and going down the, it's, it's, it's terrible. 
But thankfully, we're able to give and able to be a blessing. We're actually, and I'll show you next week, we're actually able to give $22,000 this week to 10 different ministries, not only here, but also in, all the way to Africa and Honduras as well. And so that's a part of your giving. That's a huge deal, right? That's a huge thing. And so, uh, you know, when we're not walking in our, in our purpose and our calling and, and, and living generously, we end up in the doldrums. We end up in this dry place where we talked about where there's no wind. It seems like life is just dull. It's boring. It's bland. It feels like, have anybody ever seen Groundhog Day? Yeah, and so, but that Groundhog Day is 2020. Over and over and over. Like, who wants to live that day? Right, and that's what it feels like whenever we're just living in the doldrums. We're just in that dry place. It's like, oh, Lord, why do I exist? And those are the thoughts. Those are the, 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 the little terms, the things that Satan begins to whisper into us. And eventually when you sit under that, you just start believing that stuff. And you're like, well, I don't know why I do exist. Well, I'm not living my purpose, one. I'm not living my calling. I don't know who I am. I'm not, my identity is not lost in Christ. So even the, even the disciples after Jesus, uh, after Jesus' resurrection, were in the doldrums. They went back to doing the exact same thing they, do, they were before, when they, before they met him, and as he was doing some discipleship with them, they just went back to fishing. Oh, no, uh, he's gone. He didn't come off the cross. Uh, we don't, he didn't restore his kingdom, and we don't have the Romans enslaved to us. It didn't work out the way we thought it was. Maybe he wasn't the Messiah. Doldrums. Well, he showed up, and he began to speak to them, and he showed them, told, began to tell them things about the kingdom of God. But for that split second, that moment, they were in a very dry place because they had put all their hopes in the Messiah, who for a moment they thought wasn't real. And that's how many of us feel, because we don't have all of our hopes set in the Messiah, set in God. We don't have our hopes in the fullness of who God says he is. And everything that God comes with, we have our ideas, we have our thoughts, and we're more dedicated to our thoughts and maybe what we've been taught than we are about the fullness and the truth of God's Word. So this week we're talking about fresh wind of hope. And that hope is indeed the Holy Spirit. I want to backtrack a little bit because last week we talked about Abram, Abraham, and we talked about how his name changed, happened. I'm gonna, I'll explain some of that. You can go back and listen online at livewithpurpose.church or on our, on our, YouTube, our YouTube video, whatever it is that you want to look back on. But in Romans 4, 17 through 20, it says, "'As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations.'" In the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's really powerful right there because uh, that's what he did with us. That's what he has done with us. Who, contrary to hope, in hope, Abraham, there was no hope. It was COVID-2020. I mean, it was COVID-19. It was just 2020 all over again, Groundhog Day style. Well, there was no hope, but in hope, he goes, no, wait a minute, that's not God's final word. That's not what the kingdom of God says. That's not what God says about my situation, my life. In hope, believe so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old, 99 actually, and the, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory 
to God. In the middle of the dry time, here he is giving glory to God. No, yes, all, all life is hopeless around me, but I'm going to be filled with hope because I know what God has said. I know what God will do. I'm going to let God be God, and I'm going to let him dictate how it's going to be, how it's going to go down, and what is going to happen. Now, that's faith. That's our father of faith. That's, that should be us in the middle of a year just like this, going into 2021. But why aren't we? Why aren't we? Why, why are we in the doldrums? Why do we end up in this dry place? Let me break down Abram a little bit. Abram, which was his original name from Genesis 12 to about 15, Abram is the exalted father. That's what it means, exalted father. Let me show you how that looks in the Hebrew. This is, uh, Hebrew is spelled backwards, so written backwards, A-B-R-M, Abram. Well, when, he, when God changed his name, we talked about this last week, uh, when he changed his name, it was point five, he goes to Abraham. It's like a uh, guttural uh, sound where you're like coughing up a loogie. You can't say ham without saying Abraham, Abraham, the father of many or multitude is what that means. So he changed it from the exalted father. Now he's a father of many nations. He's a father of many. He's a father of a multitude. God changed his identity. He really gave him purpose. But what we found out in point number five was last week that God poured out his spirit upon. And this is exactly what that letter that took place, the he, is. is. Let's go to the next slide. It's A-B-R-H. Or when that word, that letter is uh, considered a word, it's ruach which is the breath, wind, or spirit of God, A-B-R-H-E-M. Well, let me zoom into this, word, this letter a little bit, because when you start to dive into the Hebrew language, I want to give you guys some things that you don't need to know all of this to go forward in this message, but boy, some of you are going to get it, and it's going to be like, wow, now that is some enlightenment right there. That is very interesting. But I'm going to give you some pre-K education this in itself, in the Hebrew language, this right here is the fifth, in numerology, it's the fifth letter of the alphabet or alephbet in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language. So five is also the number of grace. It, it was interesting as I was writing last week's message, God kept keeping me at five points. I'm like, well, no, I got two more. I want to make two more points. But he kept saying five, just write five, just make five points. And the fifth point was this right here, unexplained. It was Abraham, when God changed Abram to Abraham, gave him the ruach, the bread, the breath, the spirit, the wind. He baptized him. He empowered Abraham in his spirit. It was after that that God, that God began to bless. Not only did he change Abraham's name, but he changed Sarah's name, his wife. Well, then God, then God blessed Abraham with the promised son, Isaac. Now, here's, here's what I want you to know. It was the fifth, the fifth point, and then God shows me this week, when I start to look into this word, at 3 a.m. on Wednesday, God begins to work this thing inside of me, this Abraham, the Ruach, is like, they, they didn't get it. I need to explain this a little bit more. So, this word, this letter actually turns into a word called Ruach. Now, let me break this letter down, because the way that, go backwards, the, the, way, this, uh, the way this is pronounced or, or works in the Hebrew, this is actually two letters put together. This is dalet, right here, which is also like a door or a veil, or let's think about the veil that was torn open to go into the holiest of holies once Jesus was on the cross and he died for our sins. The veil was torn so that we could enter through the door, the veil, 
Very interesting. But it also means of lowliness of spirit, humble. It's a picture of, of one just saying, no, you know what? I'm humble before you, Lord. I'm waiting for you. I'm in need for you. It's humanity's need for a God. This right here is actually Yod. And, and normally in itself, in and, by its, in and of itself, it would have a little hook on top. Now, Yod is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. But it's also in every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Yod is a picture of God's ability to do miraculous things through the smallest of individuals. That's why it's in every letter. I can do big things through little, for little people, little situations, little circumstances. I don't need much. I just need somebody that's willing and able. Here's what else it means. This is a picture of a hand raised or an arm raised. It's a picture of one saying, I worship the Father. I, wor I am in worship. What it says is, I am lowly and humble in spirit. I bow down before you. And this right here also is saying, it's like a, with its hook, it's like a headdress of a, a Jewish person who is bowing down to pray. And so he's saying, I'm, I'm going to humble myself before the Lord. I will raise my hands to worship him. And when I do that, God is saying, I'm going to give you the ruach, the breath, the spirit, the wind of my presence. That's how you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you start to understand and look into the Hebrew language, it tells the gospel itself and not, even, not a word even has to be said. When God says that he spoke and the earth and the world was created, he spoke and the letters and the words just began to create because they had the breath, the wind, and the spirit, the power of God living. Let me tell you, when you put these letters together, they mean... Together, they represent the recreative work of his outbreathing spirit. And that's what he gives us when we get baptized in his spirit. This also uh, speaks of the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. Let me break that down into your life. The more we align with God's word and what he says, he regenerates and brings healing into our body, soul, and our spirit. The more we look like him and humble ourselves to him in all-out worship, the more he brings healing and restoration because it's a regenerative, regenerative voice that's continually speaking to us and through us. That's why words, uh, life and death, is in the power of the tongue. God spoke it, so we're either aligning with him or we're misaligned. But the Jewish Talmud actually says that these, the, God used the letter He, his breath, to create the present world, but he used Yod to create the world to come. And that's how you would say it, He, He. That's how it's pronounced, but the word, the letter, is actually called Ruach. It's amazing. But I want to bring you back down to this today and how this applies to us, what we need to know in this situation. In the doldrums of life, everything seems contrary to hope. But these are the times that we are tested and we are proved. We, what, what we are begins to get rise to the surface, and it is tested for the sake of proving. What doesn't look like him will get burned and severed and will get, be cut away so that we can look more like him. That's why so many of us have trials of the same thing over and over and over. The reason is we don't look like him in that area of our life. It's his grace that he gives us another chance to conform back to him so that it can be tested and proved. By the way, if you'll go back one slide, 
This letter right here is the tenth, sorry, the fourth. This is the tenth letter of the, of the Hebrew alphabet. Ten, again, means testing. It also means a completion of a cycle. It means order. And so God is trying to bring all things back into order. He's trying to complete, he's trying to continually, through testing, complete cycles in our lives. That's why in different areas of our lives, we are continually go through these cycles until we are tested and proved. But once we are tested and proved, we got to continually maintain the proving of that cycle in that area of our life. Let me, last, let me break this down. Last year, this time, I gave a, I gave a prophetic word. Uh, we were at ACPA, we were meeting there, and I gave a prophetic word, and I said, I feel like the Lord is, is about to bring on a time of pruning. Who knew 2020 was coming? But let me tell you this, right now, the, not only has the church been put under this test of pruning, this time of pruning, individuals in the church have been put under these, this time of pruning, and churches individually have been put under this test of pruning. There's some that have been bearing fruit, and they're pruned. Pruning hurts. There's some that have not been bearing fruit, and they're pruned. But God prunes that which bears fruit so that it can bear more fruit. So if you've been saying, hey, I've been doing what I can, I've been doing it your way, and it feels like it's hurting, great news. Because there's more fruit coming through the pain that you're enduring. But don't give up because you'll continually be tested for the sake of proving. Because what doesn't look like him after that will be pruned. Contrary to hope, Abraham said, in hope he believed. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation, whew, let me tell you the ancient, the ancient uh, letter for this word, ruach, heh. It's a stick symbol of a man doing this right here. All-out abandonment worship of God. A worship towards God. What he's saying is in the middle of my tribulations, it doesn't matter. I'm going to glory and I'm going to glory, give all the glory to God. While all hell is breaking loose and I can't meet my ends, hallelujah, praise you, God. You are amazing. You are coming through even when I don't see it. In the same way, when there was no hope, God, uh, Abraham believed with hope that God is going to work all things out. So in the middle of the trial, whenever you're complaining or worried or anxious or doubting or fearing or, or dealing with all those emotions that Satan loves to get you trapped in what God is saying, but those who will actually rejoice and worship and glorify him in the midst of their tribulation, those are the ones that are going to be able to have perseverance. Come on. And perseverance, character. Oh, you haven't been able, you've been flaky. You've been all over the place. Nobody can keep up with you. You're not steadfast. You have no focus. You've got no vision. You've got, you're going all over the place. Who knows what this person is going to do? Well, they had no perseverance because they weren't rejoicing in the trials because they didn't trust God in the midst of it. He was testing them for the sake of proving them, for the sake of bringing foundation into their lives. They didn't want the foundation. They're running all over the place, but that's why they don't have perseverance. Well, perseverance is what brings character. That's why they're always getting upset with somebody, always mad, always hating on somebody, always getting into fights and can't, can't get along with people. And marriage is terrible, can't keep relationships. Think, am I talking to somebody? 
Well, their character hadn't been proven. When, our, when, when we start worshiping God and praising Him and, joy, and rejoicing in the tri- tribulations and the trials, per, He gives us perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Oh, if I, if I need hope, I just need to start rejoicing in the trial that I'm in. I need to praise God. God, you are good. It doesn't matter what is happening. You are still good. You are going to see me through this. And I'm not talking about worship with flesh. I'm talking about worship in the spirit. I'm talking about worship with all-out worship and all-out abandonment. One that says, I'm going low. I'm worshiping you. It's not about me and what I want. It truly is about what you, do, you say and who you are and what you're going to do. In the middle of that, he is shaking you down and he is stripping everything that doesn't look like you off of you because you can't stay focused on the presence of God. You can't keep your mind on the kingdom and be worried about this earth right here. And so many of you just got healed because you might believe that. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, if I'm disappointed, it might be me that my hope is under fire. And if I'm disappointed and I don't have much hope, it might need, mean that I need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so I can experience the love of God in this area so that I can be reappointed to hope. Let me give you, I, I couldn't stand. I remember being in my, my mother's uh, uh, kitchen, I'm sorry, bathroom, in our house in the, in the early 80s, and the, my teacher gave me a word problem, math word problems. How many, how, if, if Jacob had three pies and Susie ate, three, ate two pies, how many pies? Are, I don't know. I can't figure it out. It's too much. You're making me think. But I can figure this word problem out. Oh, if I want hope, I better start doing some rejoicing with, with true heart of spirit, rejoicing. If I'm disappointed, oh, it may be pointing because I don't have hope. And if I don't have hope, I better humble myself in lowly submission and low of heart and start worshiping somebody so I can receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has been provided for God, but have you received him? Have you received him? Galatians 3.14, remember, uh, Jesus became a curse for us, and he hung on the cross as cursed as anyone who hangs on a tree. Why? So that we can, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit through faith. Now, many believers, and I said this last week, and I probably shocked some of you, not everybody has received the promise of the Spirit. Most believers have just received the promise for the Spirit. I'll give you a little grammatical grammar language, uh, grammar class today. There's two separate occasions. There's two separate experiences. And many people are in the, many believers are running around in the doldrums thinking they have received the promise of the Spirit and they've only received the promise for the Spirit and they can't realize, they can't figure out why they can't, they don't have the empowerment to move beyond their current situation. Let me show you the two-part promise that we have here. Going to John 20, 19 and 22 says, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the door, doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Remember, they were in the doldrums. Oh, Lord, Messiah didn't come off. God isn't who he said he was. Anybody ever said that this year? And when he had said this, he showed them both, hand, both his hands and his side, and the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. 
So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he, he said, when he said, and when he had said this, he breathed on them. Remember, we talked about this word. We breathe, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So we have two separate situations. When you get saved and when you come to salvation in Christ Jesus, you receive the promise for the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sealed in you. But you haven't received the promise of the Spirit. And this is where many, many believers have left off. They think, well, no, 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 no. The rest of it's just weird. They, I, or others say, no, I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I got saved. Maybe, but not according to Scripture. It's possible you could get saved and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But moreover, the thing that does happen scripturally is you get the promise for the Spirit to come. Let me show you more on this. So this is what happens. And John says in here, he said, Jesus did all these miraculous things. I can't even write them down. There's not even enough room for me to do. If I did, we'd be here all day. And then when Jesus shows up again to the disciples, he's on the bank of Lake Tiberias, and he's cooking some fish. And he's saying, hey, guys, what you doing out there? In the doldrums? Come on back to shore. So they come to shore, and there he is cooking breakfast for the men. And somewhere in that, men all around the world thought, well, a, a, a men's ministry must be based around breakfast. <laughs> Lord, help us. <laughs> but look what happens next in the chronological order. Luke 24, 49 says this, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. Wait a minute. This is where it proves he breathed the promise for the Spirit, but he's saying, hey, I'm going to give you the promise of the Spirit. The promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Hmm. No wonder. No wonder I've been struggling so much. No wonder I don't feel that empowerment. No wonder. You got the, prom you got the promise for the Spirit. But it may be time for you to receive the promise of the Spirit. So they received the earnest payment. You know, anyone ever bought a house? You got to put some money down, and if you don't buy the house, you don't get to keep that money. The earnest is you got the promise for the Spirit. That don't mean you got to get the promise of the Spirit until you start to go low, start to humble yourself. And you go into worship and say, hey, Lord, I want everything that you come with. I need everything that you come with. Let's look at Acts 1, 3 through 5. It says, to these, he also presented himself alive after suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. He's trying to change their attention. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. You heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, speaking to Pentecost. Now they were about to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to explain a little bit of that later. But here's the problem with many of us here today, and even much of the church. This is why the church hasn't risen up to be the body of Christ, to be the church. 
Acts 19 says this, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, uh, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And that's, me, that's what many of your churches have taught you in the past. Oh, we'll talk about God the Father. Let's talk about the God the Son. Okay, let's move on. Let's not talk about the Holy Spirit. That's weird stuff. That's weird people stuff. You know, you don't, you don't want to talk about Holy Spirit. It gets really weird when you do. So let's just talk about Jesus and God the Father. Well, that's a, there's a problem. There's an issue with that. There's a struggle in that. But you got to know, yes, God's not weird. People are weird. And those people, uh, those people were weird before they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And many of them haven't even received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're just running around in their emotions. They thought, well, now I can let all my emotions out and look really weird. And I have an excuse. That's not the Holy Spirit. So when you think Holy Spirit or Spirit-filled people, you think that. But that's not this. We haven't even so much as heard there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Oh no, it's getting weird. That's weird stuff. And by the way, do you know that as the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, this, this, this truth of the baptism of the Holy Spirit started to emerge a couple of hundred years ago, Satan put such a twist, such a lie on this gift, this, this grace right here, that people would walk away from the empowerment that Christ has promised them? Let me tell you it this way. The church has deceived, sorry, has been deceived by Satan over this thing right here so that the church wouldn't be the church, the empowered body that Christ left us to be. And so we fight and have division over this little thing right here and we don't have unity in the body because somebody might start doing this. Call it what it is. But it says these are the things that happened when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They both had spoken tongues and they prophesied. Some, though, denominations force this thing down your throats and say, hey, this is the evidence, but I'm going to change that wording because it's not the evidence. Moreover, these things are a benefit. These things are a benefit for you. This is a benefit for me. How am I going to edify you if I don't get edified, if I don't edify myself right here. I've got to depend on you doing this in order for me to be edified if I'm not willing to do this. So I'm constantly needing you for edification, and I am, I, I am, I am so needy. No, you need me to do this so that I can edify you with this, and I need you to do this so you can edify me right here. So we can edify the body is to edify the body. 
We're supposed to work and collaborate with one another. We have different parts and different functions, but we have one purpose, and that is to edify one another and change the world around us. Scripture saw them, as, as Scripture says that these are the people, the disciples, these are the ones who, who are turning the world over. But we can't turn the world over because we're not accepting this. Because it might look like this. Who is this Holy Spirit that gives us hope anyway? Who is he? He's my helper, one. He helps me to know what to say. He helps me to know what to pray. There's times where I may be speaking and I say something that, whoa, I've been going through that. Or, whoa, that's a scripture that's been on my heart. Or, whoa, did you, you didn't know I was, you didn't know anything about that, did you? Did, someone, did Susie tell you about that? No, Susie ain't telling me about nothing. Wow. That's the Holy Spirit. Or, or you have this thought, and, and that second thought is the gut check, and you say, well, I know I shouldn't say this. You're thinking, and then you say, I shouldn't say this, but you say it anyway, and then that conviction of the Holy Spirit, not the condemnation, not the judgment, the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and says, hey, come on. I just checked you on that. I just tried to say, hey, stop, pump the brakes. You're not that. You're love, your joy, your edification, your kindness, your gentleness. That's not who you are. And he's, the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of righteousness. He's constantly trying to remove, move us back into right alignment with the Father so that we can be regenerated in everything that we are. That's the job of my helper, the Holy Spirit, and yours too. But many of us, many of us need to start listening to that little voice that says, ah, don't say it. Don't, don't do it. But you might need the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can actually do that. Whew. Then you got these words, parakletos. That's his, that's his name. That's what Scripture tells us, parakletos. Parakletos, to come alongside. He's a friend. Kletos means friend. Para means to come alongside. He's just a friend that wants to come alongside you and do life with you. Jesus spoke in parables, parabole is the Greek word. It's something you throw alongside, bole. We would get the word bowling. You like to go bowling. So bole, para, to throw something alongside you. Jesus would throw a parable alongside a truth, hoping that you would understand the parable so you, get, you would get the truth. That's all, parakletos. He's our friend that wants to come alongside us and do life with us. Look at John 14, 16. It says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, the world, the world can't receive him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Verse 20, John, 20, John 14, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I, I want to learn. I need to learn more. I need to grow more. I need to grow more in Christ. I need to grow more in his truth and who he says I am. Well, I can't do that without the Holy Spirit. It's clear. John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. 
He's going he's to tell, tell you about Jesus. He's going to give you more information, help you understand. I just don't know how this thing works. Well, you need the Holy Spirit. Receive Jesus, then get the baptism of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit so that Jesus can teach you. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Some of you need to realize that Jesus is not the one on earth. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to do life with you, to be your, your friend, your helper, to teach you all things about Jesus so you can walk this spirit life, this spirit-empowered life out here on earth so that the kingdom of God can come to earth through you and you can be a world changer turning this world upside down. It is for your advantage that he goes. Some of you are just kind of grabbing on. No, Jesus, like Mary was whenever he was about to sin. She's like, he's like, get off of me, woman. You don't know what you're doing. My time has not yet come. And some, so many of us, so much of the church is still like that. No, God the Father and Jesus. But Jesus is like shaking you off so he can be at the right hand of the Father, so he can send you the helper that you're saying no to. John 16, 12 says, I still have many things to, to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. This is how people know how to prophesy. Because the Holy Spirit's telling them of things to come. But that's only because they've been willing to bow low, worship him, say, Jesus, everything that you come with, God the Father, everything you come with, Holy Spirit, fill me up with everything that you come with so that they can receive from the helper, the spirit of truth, who doesn't speak on his own authority. Let me give you some context of these things that Jesus wants to give you. You're, you're like at a plateau in your faith or you go to those plateaus and it's probably because maybe you've, you, you've spent time in the Word but you haven't spent time with the Holy Spirit in the Word and you've got a lot of knowledge but you don't have the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the revelation that He comes with as you have joined both the Word and the Spirit. You need both. And so there's these plateau moments that take place, and you hit these throughout, throughout time. And Jesus is trying to say, hey, I, I, I've got so much more. You're, you're doing really good in the Word, uh, but I, if you just add the Holy Spirit, there's so much more I'd like to teach you in this. You, you, you can handle what's in the Word a little bit, but there's so much more I'd like to teach you, but it's too much of a burden for you right now. What's well, the same? I've got, I've got a great set of staff, great staff. You have a great staff at this church. They're young and they're learning and they're growing. It, worship is just getting even more amazing. The children's ministry is growing fast. Uh, the media booth and the, the, the guest services, it's just, it, it's excellent. But there's so much more. We sit Tuesday, every Tuesday in staff meeting and I'm watching them as they're growing within the things that they know. And then I give them a little bit more because I realize, okay, they're ready to understand a little bit more about ministry. This is exactly what God does with us. If you'll pursue it, go after it, get in the word in his presence and start to listen to him, get the spirit and the truth going, he'll start giving you a little bit more that takes you out of the doldrums and gives you hope yet once again and lifts your head above the depression, the anxiety, the worry, the stress, the things that ruminate in your mind. Freedom comes. 
So Jesus is saying, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to carry that load. But what happens is the Holy, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us, and as he's doing life with us, he's the one carrying the load. And the things that you found so difficult before all of a sudden become easy because now you're making room for the Holy Spirit to do it with you, and he's the one carrying you and the load saying, hey, come on, let's do this thing. Somebody say amen, or somebody say, oh, really? Is that how it works? Thank you. Yes, that how it, that's how it works. I'm seeing that people need the experience so that they get the understanding in this house. Might need to invite, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a little test run. Number two, he's my generous friend. He's my generous friend. And who doesn't like generous friends? But even more so, how valuable, how more fun it is, how more edifying it is to be the generous friend, to be the one who has to give away, who can give away at any, any moment, in any situation, in any circumstance. But if you want generous friends, you oftentimes need to be a generous friend. You need to be a generous friend to someone, and God will give you generous friends. Let me show you how, uh, let me show you how we know where your heart is, how God even knows where your heart is. You start showing him your schedule. You show somebody your schedule. It'll show you what, what you mean, where you're generous at, what's important to you. Start opening up your checkbook. We'll see what means the most to you. Because those are the two things, the two most valuable things in your life, your time and your treasures. And where those are going, you're showing that's what's most important to me. But life is not about collecting a bunch of things so that at the end of your life, you just have a big pile of stuff. Life is about how much love you can acquire, how much deep relationships you can obtain, and how much you can actually give away because you can't outgive God. And here's how God shows you how important you are and people on earth. Because he starts to give gifts that empower you to be even more generous. Look at this. What does he give? He gives away power. He gives away power. It's his favorite thing to give once you come to him is to give power away. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power the first thing, the thing that happens when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, finally you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. He gives you power so that you can tell others about him. And when you tell others about him, he gives you even more. It starts to regenerate. It starts to produce more. He sees that he, you can be trusted with what belongs to him and so he gives you more. Remember the testing for the proving he gives you more so that you can be his witness to Jerusalem, where you live, just outside of where you live, in Samaria, in the utmost parts of the world, to the ends of the world. What else does he give? He gives fruit, not strawberries and grapes and bananas, but he gives fruit, Galatians 5, through 25. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience, Kindness, goodness. You know, people say, don't pray for patience. Don't pray for patience. Why? You have the Holy Spirit. When you practice self-control, let's move on. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you practice self-control, you become more patient. And what happens is you start to realizing God is testing you in this area so he can prove you to become more loving, more joyful, more patient, more kind. More good, not gooder. 
more faithful. And against such things, there is no law. You ever notice how whenever you're, you're just not operating in the fruit, it feels like you're constantly in tension and strife, it's you're putting yourself under the law. That's what that is. And those who are, are Christ have crucified these, this flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And many of our relationships struggle because we, weren't, we aren't receiving and operating from the Holy Spirit. Many people can be reached for God's kingdom if God's people would just be nice. <laughs> just go be nice to somebody. I got the fruit of the Spirit. I got the fruit of the Spirit. I got the fruit of the Spirit. And let everything that you do go through that. But you might need the baptism of the Holy Spirit so you can do it. Which probably brings to mind, is no wonder they act like the devil. You're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit today so you don't act like the devil. Number from the next, he, he gives the best gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and 11. But the manifestation means to be made known. You didn't see it, now you see it. There wasn't proof, now there's proof. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. It's to bless everyone. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues. There it is again. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. If you'll just go out and start using what he's given you, the power, because he's given you the power to be a witness, and you just start loving on people in front of you, being patient and kind with people, then his, his gifts will begin to pour out on you as needed, depending on the gift that is necessary in the moment, and he will give it to you as he wills. But he's, he's not going to give it to you if you're not going to go out and witness, if you're not going share, to share the love of Christ, if you're not going to be nice to people, and you're not going to get yourself in that position to where you need the gift of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit to move into the situation. But what happens when you do is the world, that the world is changed and turned upside down because the kingdom of God enters into that situation. The disciples thought that Jesus was going to come off the cross and they were going to put the Romans into bondage and now all the world was going to change. Jesus is saying, if you'll just deal with that one individual that is in front of you, if you will love that one individual, and if you will utilize the power of the Holy Spirit that I have given you to talk about me, I will give you the gifts that will change their life, and then they in two will do the same, who will do the same, and do the same. If you just focus on the one, we get caught up in all the masses. But the one, and then here's the good news, uh, he gives love in abundance. He gives love in abundance. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Though I speak with the, tongue, the tongues of men and, the, and of angels, but have not love, I have become a resounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Oh, great. You can speak in tongues. Oh, hallelujah, you can prophesy. You can utilize all those gifts. 
But you can't love anybody. It's worthless. He says, you're nothing. But when you start to operate in love and love the one in front of you, and you, you function from the power of the Holy Spirit because you've submitted your will to his will, the reason why we can't love the one in front of us is because we're still living out of our will. But when his will is thriving inside of us, it's his will that shall be done in the life of another. Now we're subject to loving that individual, putting ourselves in a place of utilizing his gifts to change that individual. And I know some very gifted people when it comes to moving in the gifts of the Spirit, but when it comes to their getting their feelings hurt a little bit, love is not the thing of a response. It's that sense of rejection acting back out, and they have not this. And so what they show is, but people want to be known for the gifts. I can move in the gifts. I can do all that in the gifts. Well, can you just love somebody for a minute? <laughs> Lord, Please don't tell people you are a believer. <laughs> You're making the church look bad. <sighs> Help the church out. He's my God. Number three, he's my God. If I, say, if I say God is my God, and you're good with it, if I say Jesus is my God, and you say hallelujah, but if I say the Holy Spirit is my God, and you go, mm, I don't know about that. That's a problem. There's an issue. There's a there's an issue in your faith. There's an issue in being uh, surrendered to the Word of God first. There's an issue in your relationship, in your connection with God the Father and God the Son. Because it's the Holy Spirit that connects you to God the Father and God the Son. So if I'm sitting there rejecting the one who's trying to connect, I'm disconnected. Which again, might prove some points. John 14, 16 says, and I will pray the Father. I'm going to show you some places where you see all three. I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, Son, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. Next verse. But the helper, Holy Spirit, whom the Father, Father God, will send in my name, Jesus, he will teach you all things and bring to your, your remembrance all things that I said to you. Next verse. But when the helper, Holy Spirit, comes, whom I, Jesus, shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, Jesus. Luke 3, 22. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, Jesus, and a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son, and you, I am well pleased. We see the Father, we see the Son, we see the Holy Spirit, and we see even Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And even more so, we need to surrender, yield, come in lowly spirit in an all-out worship and abandonment to him and say, Holy Spirit, I, please forgive me for ever rejecting you. I renounce the lies that I have spoken and believed. I want everything that you come with. Because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are continually deferring to one another. The Father glorifies and magnifies the Son. The Son only does what he sees the Father doing. The Son tells, the Holy Spirit, tells you that the Holy Spirit is coming to, in his place. The Holy Spirit leads you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit tells what the Father says. The Father sends the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. The only way you came to Jesus was because of the Holy Spirit, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. 
And how much more would you understand and grow and learn and begin to have empowerment if you begin to accept and flow and operate and, and work with the Holy Spirit? Acts 5, 3 through 4 says this, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land of your, for yours, yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it, not, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You haven't lied to men. You didn't lie to me. You lied to God, the Holy Spirit. If we would accept the fact that by receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we would be mightily blessed, then we would have the hope necessary to turn this world upside down instead of coping as much of the church is struggling to do. Hebrews 6.19 says this, but the, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence of Behind the veil. You remember the letter I showed you? The door? The veil? What's going to get me there? I need to be in the presence behind the veil. And it's going to only be way by way of the Holy Spirit. I need to get into his presence. I need to humble myself. I need to go low. I need to learn how to extend my hand to him in worship and say, Lord, it ain't about me. It's all about you. Did I, I don't know if I showed this one. Did I tell you the ancient Hebrew letter is a stick man? All out abandonment. All out abandonment. That's God's way of worship. Man has his way. God has his way. We want to do things God's way. And let me show you something important about the Holy Spirit all in one, one phrase. The Holy Spirit intercedes through us on earth. The Holy Spirit calls and qualifies ministers for their work. It is the Holy Spirit who makes them overseers of the flock. He hears, speaks, teaches, and guides us into all truth. He glorifies Christ, receives from Christ, shows us Christ, and brings all of Christ's words to our remembrance. It is better for us that Jesus left so he could come. He shows us things to come, knows the deep things of God, searches all things, and reveals all things. Where he is, there is liberty. The writers of, of, the, of the Bible spoke as they were moved by him. We, were, we are warned not to grieve him or quench him. The sin against him is, an unpardonable, is unpardonable because sin against him is against the Holy One who can reveal the Son to us. Unless a man is born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We are convicted by him, born again by him, led by him, filled with him, and we are sealed by him. We might again, need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's time for hope to increase, and I think it might be time that we accept the fullness of who, and not only who, of all he is. I'm sick of doing it my way. I'm sick of being righteous in my own mind. Acts 2, 30, I'm sorry, uh, Charles Finney said this. He was a, a lawyer in the 1800s, born late, born late 1700s. He was the father, one of the fathers of revival. He was one of the leaders of the second great awakening in America. He was a Presbyterian minister nonetheless. And he had this experience. Finally, he got what I'm trying to tell you. He was not an uneducated man. He finally got this understanding that I might need the Holy Spirit. So he goes in his private quarters and he says, he says this is what happened. The Holy Spirit descended on me. 
and seemed to go through me, body and soul. He later wrote, I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very ruach, breath of God. He said, I'm going to yield. I'm going to... I'm going to accept the fact that I need the Holy Spirit. And when he did, and when he humbled himself, say, Lord, I want everything that you come with. Wave upon wave begin to come and pass through him. Waves of liquid love as if the very... of God. Acts 2.33 says, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, this is Jesus, and having received from the Father the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, he poured out this which you now see and hear. And what had taken place was the Holy Spirit had been poured out on all of mankind but only those who were willing to receive him were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all mankind. But the only people in here that will receive, that will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit are the ones who are willing to go low, say, Lord, I want everything that you come with, and receive the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13, last verse, says, Now may the God of hope fill you. May the God of hope, may you leave here spirit-filled. May you leave here full of hope. May you leave here when there's hope against hope. You said, no, with all hope, I'm going to believe that God is going to do a miracle in my family, in my finances, in this world. I'm going to position myself. Thank you, one person. I'm going to position myself so that I can be a vessel for the kingdom of God to reveal itself here on earth. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is there somebody in here that needs to abound in hope during 2020? Come on. And this is actually the very verse whenever we were building this building before we had any insulation, many, many people went around and they were writing verses all over the building. And I remember right on the column, right behind us, I wrote this very verse. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This has been my prayer over this church and every person that comes in this place, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I pray for you today? Father, we just thank you. We just thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you left saw that it was expedient that you go so that you could send us a helper. Thank you for sending us your Holy Spirit. 
What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? I just want to pray a prayer for those who are realizing that they've had the promise for the Spirit, but they've yet to come to know this promise of the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, right now, as we bow low, humble in heart, letting go of our will, and our hands are beginning to lift towards heavens to you, in all-out abandonment. For those who will receive you, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you pour out your presence upon them. As we begin to worship this morning, you could feel the presence of the, of the Holy Spirit in this place. Even in the first service, he began to change hearts. He began to begin to healing souls. He's not gonna force himself upon you. He's not gonna make you do weird stuff. He's not gonna possess you. He's just there to be received if you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So come Holy Spirit. Fill up these vessels today, Holy Spirit, with your presence. Fill us up with your empowerment. Fill us up with your love. So come Holy Spirit. Have your way in a manifest manner. Charles Finney said it felt like liquid waves of liquid love, like electricity just began to hit him. Wave upon wave of love just began to change his heart, change his demeanor, change the way he saw life. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Let your heart just be bowed low before Him, willing to receive everything that He comes with. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I said, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready for everything that you come with. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way with me. I just opened my arms. I said, to have your way with me. And I begin to feel an unknown language just bubble up in my chest. It's foreign to me. In my mind, it was weird. But I prayed the prayer. Everything that you come with, I want exactly that. He didn't possess me to make me say things that I was uncomfortable with. I yielded my mouth, my tongue. And I got into the flow with what the Holy Spirit was doing. I didn't manufacture anything. It wasn't my emotions. It's the Holy Spirit, just like you feel Him today. 
as you're willing to receive him, bowed low before him. He's wanting to do a, a miraculous work in your life, in your finances, in your family, in your relationships, in your occupation, in your faith. He's wanting to use you to turn this world upside down. And in Jesus' name, we receive you. Amen.